0: Well, today um, is week four of our look into the book of Daniel. So grab your Bibles and get ready for the book of Daniel in a few minutes. What we're going to look at, we're going to look at chapter 10 today. And I really believe something about today. And I mean this without trying to be hypey. I think you know me. I don't try to be real hype things up. I don't try to use manipulation. I vowed when I started this 30 years ago in ministry, I'd never try to manipulate um, through preaching. But I believe this. I believe today can be life-changing for some of us in here. And I believe it's possible this could happen. I think you may listen to this message today and somebody else is going to come to your mind. And what God's going to want you to do is to go and tell somebody, hey, go on our church website, portviewchurch.com, and click on the podcast and listen to the message from today. Because this message is going to speak to you and it's going to, I think God's going to speak to you about sharing this with somebody else. It's one of the reasons that in 2019 one of our goals is is to get our podcasts videoed so that we can you can share them easier um, with other people instead of just being audio. Right now they're audio and they're great, but we want to take a step up. Now the reason I think this message can be life-changing for some today is because it deals with something that is re- very real in some of your lives right now. Some it was just a little while ago. Some, even though you don't know it, it's going to be next week that we're going to be looking at Daniel as he finds himself in a very difficult time in his life. And I think the best way I could describe it is a time when he has a very heavy heart. That he is being crushed by life, and we're going to see how he gets through that time and how God comes through during that time. And I think, you know, if we are honest with ourselves, we ask the question, you know, Do any of us ever feel like we're being crushed by life? Any of us ever feel like that? That you have such a heavy heart because some things in your life just seem out of control or so unfair or so wrong or, or whatever. Maybe it's a child who's making some really bad life choices and it's just as a parent and a grandparent, as an aunt and uncle, it's killing you to watch. Maybe it's your marriage. And you look honestly at your marriage and you realize that, that you're drifting apart. Maybe maybe you're serving Jesus, but your spouse maybe never has or is drifting away. And it just feels like the weight of that is crushing you. Or maybe it's an illness that's new or an illness that's extended. You've had it for a while or someone you love has been battling. You know, what day goes by they will not hear of another person with cancer or something like that. And someone you love is going through it or you're going through it and it just feels like there's no hope. You've been praying, and you've been praying, but it feels like there's no hope. And you know what I mean about this. Situations in life seem out of control. Sometimes. And the weight of them sometimes feels so heavy that we feel like we can't even hardly stand up under the load. And maybe you're not in that situation today. Matter of fact, I'd say most of us aren't. And you know what you need to say if you aren't? You need to say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not in a time like that right now. But some people in this room, some people sitting 10 feet from you are going through something right now that's absolutely crushing. And and one of the errors that I've seen in much of the church world when somebody's going through a really hard time is that, and maybe it's not intentionally, but it's through innuendo or even through overt comments, that people feel shamed when they're going through something hard. You know the difference between shame and guilt? Guilt is saying, you know what, I, I did something bad. And you feel bad because of it. You know what shame is? Shame is believing you are bad. You know, when you grew up, how many people said, your parents said, or maybe you said it to your children, shame on you. Now, they've not known what that really meant, but shame is not saying that what you did was bad. Shame is saying that you are bad there 's something flawed about you, and i 'm not sure if there 's a more damaging thing on our in our psyche in our in our world in our soul than being shamed at believing somehow that we 're bad, but it seems to me that when a lot of times even in the church world, when people go through difficulty and challenges, their kids go astray there 's health issues, somehow it 's made to believe that it 's it's your fault because you're going through it. You must have done something wrong. Um, somehow God is evening the scales. That it must be a judgment from the Lord or just a result of your actions, cause and effect. You know, that's how Job felt. Job was shamed by his friends when he was going through a hard time. A hard time that had nothing. Remember Job's story? nothing to do with job you know what you know why job was in a situation because he was just the opposite of bad it's because he was the most righteous man around and the enemy said you know what i want to bring that man down maybe even sometimes i think this is really true some of you or some of us are even shaming ourselves if only i had more faith this wouldn't have happened if only i could pray better that wouldn't happen. If only I was a better parent, that would be different. If only, if only, if only, and you include in that, well, I'm bad. Something's flawed in me. It must be my fault. Well, here's what I want us all to hear today. If you're going through difficulty, God knows what you're going through. He has not forgotten about you. And he will bring you through this crushing time. This is what we find to be true in the story that we're going to go through today. That we're going to look at in Daniel. We will see Daniel in a very difficult, sad, crushing situation. And we'll see how he stood strong in it. We're going to see what he did to get through it um, with his heavy heart. And how God worked in his life during this time. So turn to uh, Daniel chapter 10 with me. And as you're turning there, let me uh, set the context for the story that we're going to look at. Before we read, understand this, that in this situation that we're going to read about in chapter 10 today, Daniel is now, if look at Daniel, this is the fourth week. At this situation, Daniel's now a really, really, really old man. He's been faithful to God for decade after decade after decade. Remember what? a couple of weeks ago we looked at when he was a youth, he st- chose to stood out to stand out for God in a culture that was opposed to God. We saw a week ago that he stood strong when he was tossed into the lion's den. He's gone through all of this stuff walking with God and now, all these years later as an old man, he had been captured as a youth, brought to Babylon, now he finds himself as an old man still living in exile. He'd been living in exile almost his entire life. And he's been praying for something specific the whole time. He's been praying that God would deliver the nation of Israel. He would set the people free. That they'd be free and they could return to the promised land. And he'd been praying for this his entire life. But as he looked at the situation, he just seemed like it was never going to happen and it was just crushing to him. It was a burden to him. He loved God. He loved the people of God. He knew God had something better for the people. And he's just living under the weight of this and he's been praying and he's praying and it didn't seem like any answer was coming. And that's what's going on when we find what we're going to read about in chapter 10. So let's look, turn to chapter 10. Let's start in verse 2 and we're going to read all the way to verse 18. So I want to see the whole story So Daniel's been praying, that's the context. He's been praying and he's upset because the people, they're living, you know, they're they're not living in the promised land, they're living as as slaves in a foreign land. Verse 2, in those days I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked. And behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like burl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and his feet were like gleaming of polished bronze. And the sound of his words were like the sounds of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. While the men who were with me did not see the vision, nevertheless, a great dread fell on all of them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me. For my natural color turned to a deadly pallor, and I returned, and I rega- retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as words and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and my knees. He said to me, "O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you, and stand upright, for I have been sent to you." And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, "Do not be afraid." Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on your humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision pertains to the latter to the days yet of the future. When he has spoken to me according to these words I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless and behold one who resembled a human being was touching my lips then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who is standing before me O oh, my Lord as result of the vision anguish has come upon me and I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of my Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me, nor any breath been left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. What an amazing story. Daniel is in this time of being just crushed with the weight of of what's going on with the people that he loves and God loves. He's watching them being mistreated. He sees that you know, he's a, he himself is in captivity in a foreign land serving the government, but he has no freedom to go back to where he came from. And he's praying to God. and We see this amazing story unfold of how God responds to him. And there's some things in this story that I think can be so helpful to us as we walk through um, difficult times. And the first thing I think is so important is this, and I think this is one you just need to settle in your heart so that you're not shocked when things happen. And it's this, having a heavy heart is inescapable for the child of God. At some time in your life, something's going to happen, and you're going to have a heavy heart. You see, some people have some type of misconceptions about what it is to be a Christian. They think that when someone comes to Christ, their life will just be rainbows and unicorns. Everything good, everything easy, just the blessing of God and everything's wonderful and never going to be a problem. And I'd say this, some even preach that message from pulpits. Well, Friends, you need to understand something. It's simply not true. Just look at the great people who loved God who are written about in the scriptures if you want to see that it's not true. You know, David, King David, had a son who died. Moses was a wanted man and fled. Joseph was sold into slavery by his very own brothers and imprisoned later for something he didn't do. Jeremiah was left for dead in a pit. Eleven of the twelve disciples were murdered for their faith. The Apostle Paul was shipwrecked, stoned, frozen, and eventually beheaded. John was boiled in oil. And he probably would have wished he would have died, but he didn't. Instead, he was banished to the Isle of Patmos from where he wrote the book of Revelation. And Jesus was crucified. Not a lot of rainbows and unicorns in those stories. And here we find faithful, godly, consistent Daniel. He's a prisoner in a foreign country praying for his deliverance and deliverance of the people that were in captivity and the restoration of the nation of Israel. And we hear his heavy heart. And look what it says in the very beginning in verse 2. It says, he was in mourning. Listen to me, church. Difficulty is part of a life in this fallen world. And difficulty weighs on our hearts. And here's what I want you to understand today. You are not faithless when you have a heavy heart. You know what you are? You're human. We're not faithless when we go through situations and we have a heavy heart. What we are is we are human. But I believe that God has a message for us about this from Daniel. Daniel shows us how to walk through these times with hope, but not just hope in anything, hope in the God who can bring us through anything. Look what we see Daniel doing during his time where his heart is so heavy. I think this is so important. Daniel, during the time when his heavy heart is the heaviest, runs toward God instead of away from God. Look at verses 3 and 4. What he does is he takes really serious action. He does what he can do to try to get connected to God. Look at verses 3 and 4. He says, I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment. And some people believe that actually means that means he didn't bathe for the whole time. At all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while well, I was at the great break. So for, for that entire time, he says, I'm going to get really serious. Not that he wasn't serious before, but he's like, I'm being crushed right now. I need to take some serious action. Look what he did when he had a heavy heart. He gets serious about seeking God. He fasted for 21 days. He put aside distractions. He went into solitude. Now, interesting, he went into solitude, but he went into solitude at the river with a few, doesn't describe who the people are, but we can make the assumption at least, a few other serious-minded people who are actually also seeking after God. So solitude, but surrounding himself with other people in that solitude in seeking after God who are also serious about seeking after God. And he goes there and he prays for an answer. Now, I don't want to give any mis- misconceptions here or misideas here saying that, hey, if I have this terrible wrong, I just go pray for 21 days and get alone by some river and suddenly everything I pray for is just going to happen. You know, the sickness is going to go away and the marriage is suddenly going to get better. I hope it does and it surely could because you're doing the right things. But I want us to understand about this because there's something deeper than just getting the answer. There's a, there's a principle here and it's this. What we see here is that Daniel put himself in a position to hear from God. That's what Daniel was doing. He put himself in a position to hear from God. He was at a breaking point and he knew that the only answer was God himself. So he put everything else aside in order to put himself in a position to hear from God. You know, one of the things that, that times of crushing do is they cause us to put away the non-essentials in our life and just go hard after God. Meaning removing whatever obstacles I can that may be keeping me from, from hearing what God has to say and, and seeking God the way I know I need to. You know, said friends, it's hard to hear God when the TV is always blaring. It's hard to hear God when when my whole time is spent scrolling through Facebook. It's hard to hear God when the music is blasting in the tavern. It's hard to hear God in those situations. And Daniel is at a breaking point, so he puts all that stuff aside. And he gets serious and he says, I'm going to go hard after God. And we see something amazing about that time when he did that. Something, I think, life-changing for us. For some of you who feel like, you know what, I just am at a point where I'm going to give up. And it's this. When he sought after God, God was listening and responding, even though he didn't know it at the time. God was listening and was responding. Look at verse 12. Then he said to me, this, this angelic messenger said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard And I have come in response to your words. The first day Daniel prayed, God heard and God responded. The first day. Not the 21st day. The first day. That's why this message is so important for us to get. The first day. Now it took 21 days for the answer to come. And for some of our lives, it seems like it's been 21 years But on the first day, God heard and God responded. And I know some of you have been praying about something that has been heavy and crushing for a long time. And sometimes you just want to give up and you feel like God must not hear or maybe doesn't even care. Listen to me. Listen to what God is saying through Daniel. It's why it's included in the scripture for us from a situation like this. From the first day. Say that with me. From the first day. You were heard by God, and he is responding. And I'm, you know, let's be honest. Sometimes that's hard to figure out. In fact, think of Daniel in this situation. Daniel didn't have any idea what was going on in the spiritual realm around him. He had no idea that there was a battle going on in the heavens. He, he didn't know that. He had no idea that God was already sending an answer. He didn't know that. But that was the reality Of what was going on. Church, God never turns a deaf ear to you or me. And I know sometimes things don't make sense, but that doesn't mean that God isn't listening and it doesn't mean that God doesn't care because He does. Look friends, there is more to it than we generally understand. There's an unseen spiritual battle going on around us that is affecting the world that we live in. That's what Daniel said said, held up the answer. This is so important. It wasn't that God wasn't answering. It was that Satan was fighting against the plans of God. That's what we see in this text. And it's, it's so amazing that God would include this for us. He gives us a glimpse into what's going on in the spiritual world. And he says, you know, it's not that I'm not answering. It's that there's a battle raging against the people of God and even the messengers of God, there's a battle raging. Friends, what I find in my life so interesting as I counsel with people and meet with people is that so often we blame the wrong person. We blame the wrong person. Things go bad, and the first thing I hear out of people's mouths is, why did God do that to me? Or how come God didn't do that? Or what about this about God? Or what about that about God? When the real problem is never God. The real problem is the enemy of our soul, Satan. He's the real problem. He's the cause of your problems, not God. God's not the cause of your problems. There's an enemy who wants to destroy anything, gets aligned with God, and thinks he's somehow gonna bring God down sometime, but it's not gonna work. He's a divider of the brethren who tries to destroy churches. He's a, he's a divider of the brethren who tries to destroy your family. It's not God. God is good. That's the message of Scripture. God is loving. That's the message of Scripture. God truly cares for you. That's the message of Scripture. So even if we can't see it, you're just like Daniel. You're in the middle of it and you're seeking God seriously. You're feeling crushed. It doesn't mean that God's not hearing and not responding. It just means the answer's not there yet. So we're in the middle of that time. The answer's not here yet. How do we make it through those hard times when our hearts are so heavy that we can't seem to go on look at verse 18 that's why we read to this it says then this one with human appearance touched me and strengthened me friends as you put everything aside in order to hear from God here's the reality God will come in some way and he will strengthen you. God will touch you. Have you ever had some kind of a miraculous encounter with God where he strengthened you? Think about it for a second. Have you? Yeah. I see people nodding their heads and saying, yes. I've had a few of those times in my life where it was where I felt like I couldn't stand up anymore under the weight of it. And God came through. And I want to tell you about one of them. And what's amazing about this time is that it happened to both Suzanne and me at the same time. Our first ministry position, right out of Bible college, we went and planted a church in Marquette, Michigan. And the reality is um, we had zero support and virtually no people to help us. And we went to a city, we were asked to go to a city um, by Joel Pavia. Remember Joel? He's the guy who said, I think you're supposed to go to Marquette, Michigan. But he didn't tell me, honest to God, he didn't tell me. He didn't tell me that there had been five failed church plants in the last 25 years before that. As a district, w- Wisconsin, Florida, Michigan, had dumped in literally hundreds of thousands of dollars into, had bought homes and land and all kinds of stuff for pastors. No one told me any of that. I was right out of Bible college, didn't have a clue. He said, go to Marquette, Michigan. Just her and I, no money. We're ready to sleep in our car, Literally. And went there and said, we're going to start a church. We had absolutely no idea what we were doing. We went there, started the church, and um, rented a facility, um, and then uh, gathered a little group of people. And then from that group of people, we rented another church that was having financial problems. We found a church in town. Here's your key to church planting. Find a church in town that can't pay its bills and ask them to rent their building when they're not meeting. And so guess what we did for five years? We had church at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in the Marquette Missionary Church for five years. You try to start a church during the Packer season at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And we did. And it worked. And the church grew, and it grew, and it grew. And eventually we bought a piece of land, and that's a miraculous story in that. And then we, we... you know, built a built a building and it grew and then we built another building and it grew and we couldn't we kept filling it up and it was going great. And it was a church I it was a small group church, small group style church. Eighty-five percent of our adults met in small groups every single week for years. It was just a blast. I would tell Suzanne I'd wake up in the morning and I'd say, no one should get paid to do this. It was just fun. It was everything we ever believed the church was supposed to be, except for two to three hundred inches of snow a year. <laughs> and and after 10 years, a little bit before that, just really started feeling that God wanted us to leave and plant another church. And I couldn't imagine it because when I started there, I went there. And people actually would make jokes about it because I say the same thing all the time: plant the church, stay there till you die. Plant the church, stay there till you die. And that's what I always said. And all of a sudden we're into it, and I never, it never entered my mind the possibility that we would ever leave. Never even entered my mind. And all of a sudden I'm feeling like we're supposed to leave, and we're feeling we're wrestling through it, wrestling through it, wrestled through it. And we concluded we were supposed to go. And so we did what to this day is the single most difficult decision I ever made in my life was to resign that church. The single hardest thing I've ever done in my life was resign that church. That we loved. They loved us. It was thriving. It was growing. It was everything I believe the church was supposed to be. But we felt like God was saying, I want you to go plant another church. And so we resigned. And the people came over literally crying. And we loaded a moving truck up. And we went to bed the last night in our house. Our house wasn't even sold. We, our house was in Michigan. We moved to Wisconsin to somebody's basement because our house wasn't sold. And we are coming to do a church plant for guess what again? No money. But this time with two kids. Way scarier. But no money. No support. And um, a little group of 18 people that had been in a failed church plant and we were asked to shut it down and restart it. And so we're laying in bed a a little, little tiny house with our very tiny double bed that barely fit in the room. Remember that? And it was double bed in the room and the bedroom was so small that we had two dressers in there and you, you, you couldn't open the dressers because they'd hit the bed. You ever been, you got one of those rooms? Some of you are saying, I still live in one of those rooms. And you, you couldn't, if you couldn't sit on the bed and open the drawers, you had to sit next to the bed to open the drawers because the room was so small. And we're laying in bed and we're heartbroken. Matter of fact, I remember before this point, I went outside and I laid on my, my little front porch and I looked up at the sky because I loved the, light, the sky in the UP because there's no light pollution. And I'm looking at all the stars and I'm just crying. I mean, just crying, thinking, God, this is impossible. And went to bed and we're laying in bed side by side and we're not saying a word. And I remember, we're holding hands and we're just, I don't know if she's asleep or not. I'm not sleeping. And we're looking up at the ceiling. At least I'm looking at the ceiling. And I'm guessing she's sleeping. And all of a sudden, and as, and as, as I say, as God is what says, Susanna is my witness. This presence fills the bedroom. And it felt like, all of a sudden, like waves. this waves of like this glory filled the bedroom. And it was just over us. No words, no angels, just this incredible presence and peace fills the, fills the bedroom. And it goes on for minutes. I'm thinking, I don't know how long, but I'm thinking five minutes. Just this, and don't say a word. I'm just laying there holding Suzanne's hand, staring at the ceiling. Actually like half afraid and half like in awe. And all of a sudden it just very gently goes away. And I'm laying there in the dark and I said, did you just experience that? She said, yeah, did you? (laughs) And we said, what was that? And what did it mean? And I said, like, did you hear anything? It's like, no. But we both knew exactly what God was saying to us. We knew it was God. We knew it was the Holy Spirit. And we knew God's message. And He was saying, listen, you're doing what I want you to do. It's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Just do what I've asked you to do. And we went to sleep. Friends, something like that will change your life. There have been um, hundreds of times in my life since that day I've closed my eyes and tried to relive it where I'm like, God, do it again, please, because I need it right now. Like, Lord, right now I need it because the divider of the brethren is lying and causing problems, or the person is sick, or, you know, this situation can't happen, or the, you know, the bills can't be paid, or whatever it is, God, and I feel like I'm being crushed. And it's never happened like that ever again. There's been other ways. But I'll tell you this: hundreds of times I've relived that moment in my life. I can, as I'm explaining to you, I can feel it. I'm reliving it as I'm saying it, because I can feel the glory of God saying, "Mark, it's going to be all right." Friends, in some way, that's what happened to Daniel. God touched him. This this, this messenger touched him, and was saying to this Daniel, "It's going to be okay. I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to." I'm going to strengthen you. I will never let you be crushed. And friends, that's what God is saying to us today in His place. He's never going to let you be crushed in the midst of going through what you're going through. I think there's one more thing that we need to hear today about this. He won't let you be crushed. He's going to encourage you some way and also the answer is going to come. Somehow the answer is going to come. God is going to come through. Look at verse 14. It says, Now I have come to give you an understanding. He's talking specifically to Daniel. Give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days about this, about this vision. Look at those words. Now I have come to give you. For Daniel, it was an understanding of the vision. He was saying, listen, there's a day coming where I'm going to bring my people back to the promised land. And it happened, didn't it? It happened under Ezra. They came back and they rebuilt the temple. And Nehemiah, they came back, they rebuilt the temple. And they were actually financed by Babylon to come back and do it. And God's saying, listen, it's going to happen. It's just not yet today. For Daniel, he needed understanding. For you, it's probably something else. Maybe it's understanding of a situation that's just not making sense in your life. In fact, God may answer your question that you've been praying about for in, in ways that you never expected. He may give you an answer that's completely different than you're hoping for. Paul, had a time like this, he called it his thorn in the flesh. Paul saw all kinds of miracles, miracle upon miracle. He prayed. For, he said at one point in Paul's life that if you even brought handkerchiefs, handkerchiefs were taken by him for, that were from in a shadow and they'd go out and, it, and they'd put them on people and they'd be healed. This is a pretty anointed guy, but he's got this problem. We don't know exactly what it is. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. I tend to believe it was a physical problem with his eyes. That's what I think the context is saying. And he prays three times to God. He knows what he wants. God, this is what I need from you. Heal me. Deliver me. Set me free. And God says, Daniel, I have a plan in this. I'm going to, because you're feeling weak, when you're weak, I can use you. I can use you different because you're dependent. That's what I think the message really is. So here's the deal. I don't always know how the answer is going to come. And I have lived long enough where I've stopped trying to guess what the answer is supposed to be in my life or somebody else's life. People say, Pastor, come and pray for this for me. And if you notice, I generally don't pray for that for you. I pray for some something in a way that just says, God, what are you doing in this situation? And would you do what you want done? Because we don't always know the way it's going to go. Daniel wanted to be set free. No, it came later. See, your heavenly father loves you so much that he'll do anything for you. When you pray, he hears and he answers. There's a war going on around us that's keeping things from happening the way, the the, the perfect way. But God is better and God is good and God has a plan and the plan is big and it's eternal. And sometimes in our little teeny, Remember a while back I preached a sermon about how long our life is that it was a hand's breath and you all got a little piece of string? You still have that piece of string? Piece of string's right next to my desk. When we're living that long compared to eternity our life's that long we don't always see what's going on. Daniel didn't see the end of the story. God was trying to show him but Daniel didn't understand that in his little time it wasn't going to work out exactly the way he thought it should because God had something better in the big picture. That's what happens. God will answer. He is answering. Sometimes the answer is just, it's either on the way, and it's not yet here, or it might be a little different than we think, because God has something better. I really believe this. Some of you need to receive this message today. You need to own it. You need to put everything else aside that you can. You can't stop going to work. Put everything else aside. You can't stop taking care of your kids. But you need to put aside what you can put aside. You need to go hard after God. You need to hear his voice. And I encourage you, just think about it in your own life. What do you need to put aside if you're in this time of difficulty? What What can you put aside? You know what happens in a time of difficulty with putting stuff aside? Suddenly the stuff that was so important to you is not very important anymore. And you want to put it aside. I don't, I don't need that anymore. I just need God. Put it aside. Go hard after God. And recognize that he's hearing you. He loves you. He's responding to you. But there's a whole lot more going on around us a lot of times than we, than we understand. Does that make sense? Let's pray together. Lord, I really felt compelled to address this today. Lord, honestly, you know, you know that I felt in my mind, how in the world does this match up with doing a water baptism? I'm thinking about these good, this incredible day of celebration for for not only um, two particular families in our church, but for our whole church. Celebrating that we're seeing young people say yes to you. And then we're going to talk about something that about crushing times. And I'm like, God, I want to talk about fun times. I want to talk about celebration. I want to talk about Easter Sunday and resurrection power. But God, maybe that's exactly what this is. This is about the reality of resurrection power. This is about your power in reality in the stuff of life that's hard and so, Father, I pray for every person in this place. I pray, God, that you would help us. That, Lord, we, we may be in a crushing time right now. Something so hard, we can't hardly hold up underneath it. Or we're thinking of somebody that's in that time right now, and we're lifting them up in prayer to you right now. And I pray this, Father. In some way, do what you did for Daniel. You sent a messenger to encourage them, him, and lift him up. And Lord, just maybe, the messenger today is this message. This mes- the messenger today of encouragement is this message that says that God has not forgot about you. That He loves you, and He's right here with you, in the midst of it and so lord i pray that you would i pray that you would um, you would touch us today now lord there's another thing i ask you for today there may be somebody in this place who's never taken the first step and honestly turned their lives over to jesus the kind of things that we saw at the water baptism today even young kids Saying, I understand that I need Jesus in my life. As we're praying this morning, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, If that's you today. No coercion. You're just saying, you know what, Pastor Mark? I need Jesus. I'm ready to say yes to him. I'm ready to start a life with him. Kind of like those kids. I'm ready to say, yes, I need Christ in my life. And I want to take the first step. I want to say, I want to say, yes, God, I'm here for you today. I put all the, all the junk aside. I put everything else aside. And I just need you. And if you're ready to do that today, you're feeling the Lord pulling you, something inside of you saying, this is for you today. Your heart's beating faster and your, your palms are sweating. And you can't explain it. There's something saying, I need Jesus. That's the Spirit of God. And he's drawing you to himself. If that's you today, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just the only one looking around is me, I want to know who to pray for. If you say I'm ready to say yes to Jesus, I want you just to raise up your hand. And When I see your hand, I'm going to ask you to put it back down. Just slip it up. Thank you, Jesus. You want to say yes to Jesus. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you are a good God. And that, Lord, as we say yes to you, that you always receive us with open arms. And we pray, Lord, today, that as we walk with you every day of our lives, of those of us who, who have walked with you for a long time, and those who are brand new, if we say, as we say yes to you, that Lord, you will carry us through every situation in our life every day. And so Lord, I pray now for your encouragement, your presence, your power to fill us so that as we walk out these doors today, we understand we're entering into a, into a, a mission field. We're entering into a world where we can shine Like lights. And one of the ways we shine is by walking in faith through hard times. That Lord, we'll walk in your strength and your love and your grace. And that will shine to a world that really needs to know you. So Lord, commission us now to shine for you in our families with our friends and our coworkers. Thank you, Jesus.